Hi, this is Chad. I'm so glad to be part of your journey towards product mastery so you can better develop products that customers love. Today, we're talking with Erica Clicks. Erica is the former head of talent for tech companies who became a job search strategist for startup and scale-up directors, VPs, and department heads for product management and other functions in tech. And she sent me an email message that got my attention and really stood out from the email messages I, I get, but I wanted to read part of it. She wrote, in a past life, I sat on the other side of the table supporting hiring teams to define processes, find candidates, and make great hires. And I noticed a few patterns along the way. When it comes to product management leadership roles, hiring teams would share the same small handful of reasons for rejecting candidates. They just weren't quite strong enough. I like them, but who else did we have? We need them to be more strategic. They're great, but I'm not sure they're senior enough. She says they use different language, different lenses, but it was the same across almost every scorecard. Candidates were missing something, but hiring teams couldn't really articulate what it was. She started paying, as she says, so I started paying attention to who was getting the offer and what they did differently. Now, Erica will help us not only make some of these mistakes that maybe lead to you not getting the job, she even has a system for job seekers that she calls the inevitable edge method. And we're going to hear more about this in just a moment. I think this is going to be a really helpful discussion for all of us when it comes to interviewing for that job. Do remember, we create uh, a written summary of everything we discuss here. Also, along with that is a one-page action guide that will be put into action the key insights that Erica is going to share with us. You'll find those resources at productmasterynow.com slash 455. Also, this episode is made possible by the Rapid Product Mastery Experience, the RPM Experience. This is the system that helps product VPs and leaders get their product managers and everyone else contributing product to increase performance, working in alignment to reach your North Star objectives. It takes place over nine weeks, meeting 75 minutes a week. We go through seven key areas. In the process, we build a great deal of trust and collaboration that helps everyone really improve their performance together. If this sounds interesting to you, please go to productmasterynow.com slash RPM to see how it can help you. Erica, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Chad. I am incredibly excited to talk product management hiring today. Likewise, it's not something we've delved in a lot. We've had a handful of episodes over the eight years we've been doing this so far about interviewing. And, and I think your take is particularly useful, right? From learning from, I think what you had told me earlier was over 100,000 resume reviews and 10,000 interview experiences and 1,000 offers. That, that there's some patterns here to be aware of. And we, in the product management community, we don't want to be making the mistakes that you, you saw. So I'm really excited about that. Let's talk about some, some of the mistakes, right? And if you want to fill in any background, feel free. Sure. If we think, let's focus on the product leader role. Because the audience, quite a few people listening now are product leaders. They have some kind of leadership role, whether it be VP, CPO, or a different title. Mm -hmm. Or they're product managers who are eventually hoping to move into that role, right? What are some of the reasons that we don't see those leaders getting the job that they're trying to get? First off, there's all different flavors of product manager, as I'm sure you even have different types of product managers, even within your own audiences. Those yeah. are focused on zero to one, focused on growth, everywhere in between. Yep. Different scale company. Yep. Different scale product, different er focuses of areas of focus. And then there's also still technical and non-technical, all the different flavors. So getting into the interview, lots of reasons. Usually it's very much do you have experience in the area that we are looking? That is like step one when it comes to product management, particularly now in the market 
But what at least what I'm seeing a lot of is product management leaders getting all the way through the process, going through hours and hours of interviews, and then getting pretty generic rejections at the very end. And that is something that I think is going to be most helpful to your audience to talk about is like, why is that happening? And really it's about building trust. It's about figuring out every level of the interview process with other leaders, with the team, with cross-functional leaders. Um, are you able to build trust that you can do the job that they're looking for and take the product to wherever they need to take it to next? That's the difference between people who are getting the job and the ones who are getting passed up right now. Okay. So there's a lot that goes into that trust thing. Mm-hmm. And we'll dive into that. You're talking about uh, leaders getting through hours and rounds of interviews and getting a rather generic response at the end. And the, the first reaction that most people have is, can you at least tell me why, right? I, I, I want to, at least I'd like to be prepared for the next opportunity to interview. So it, it's reasonable to try to get some meaningful feedback. As I read in the intro, the responses are usually are pretty generic. And I understand there, there's companies are sensitive, right? They don't want to get themselves in legal hot water in any way. So they usually make them very generic. Do you have any suggestions, though, for trying to help with that, to use it as a coaching experience that you can get something that might be helpful? Or are you just stuck with, okay, move on to the next opportunity? So usually the best way to get that feedback is to build relationships along the way. So the stronger of a relationship you have with a recruiter or with their hiring, with the hiring manager, with the executive who's, who's, who this role falls under, the more likely it is that you're actually going to get feedback from them. It's also yeah. the more likely you're actually going to land the role. That's how you build the trust in the first place. But mm. even if you're not the right fit, because you can get all the way through the process and honestly, it just isn't the right fit for right now, or they have mm. a candidate who has, who fits a very specific need. But if you've built the relationship and you've invested in it and you've connected with them on a more human level, it's a lot harder for them to ignore your email when you come back and you say, Hey, I'd love to know why. <laughs> and now I think the other difference, is it why for your own peace of mind or is it why so that you can change? Because almost every time the feedback that I have seen when um, leaders get the why, when they get that feedback, uh, it's usually it's not you, it's us in some way, shape or form. It's not that you're bad at your job. It's not that you didn't show these particular things. It's that we're looking for something that either you haven't had a chance to, to get to in your career yet, mm-hmm. or we had this other candidate who had something very specific that we were looking for. And that is not always actionable, not always helpful, but it can be helpful in understanding why, why that's important to them in the first place, if that right. makes sense. All right. And it can be yeah. useful for them to understand, right, why it's important. I just had a friend go through a, an interview, and at the end of that process, the company said, it's not you, it's us. But it's not only us. Yeah. We realized in interviewing you, we don't have a clear understanding of what we actually need. And we're not ready to make a hire to anyone right now. We need to go back and figure that out a little bit. That was interesting. That is a particular... So I live in a lot in the startup world. Seed funded, Series A, sometimes Series B, Series B, and historically, over all the companies that I've recruited for over time, it often takes a couple months when they do end up making a hire to get to who, not to finding the right person, but figuring out who they want to hire, and they hmm. do that through interviewing. So you start with the job description, and you interview a couple candidates, and you get a lot of different feedback. <laughs> 
from the different stakeholders. And then they come back together and they iterate on the job description based on all the people they've met. It's one of the, it's the biggest reason why they don't usually make, if, if you're the very first candidate going through a process, it's pretty hard to get the offer. Okay, that's another good tip. Find out maybe where you are. But that more common to the startup environment, trying to figure out what we really need. Good to know. Yeah. So let, let's get to trust is the key issue. Maybe there's some other factors in there. Yeah. You know, how do we go about in that interview positioning ourselves to build that trust, to be the one that should be getting this job, given that we're a fit for what they're asking, right? That, that we can make connections to our experience and it, it makes sense. A lot of it is really around, like I mentioned, that building that relationship from the very beginning. So Mm -hmm. even starting with that first recruiter screen and getting to know the person who's going to help guide you through the process, small signals when they ask you, how's it going or how's your day going? Instead of just saying, great, cool, good, you like give a little anecdote, (laughs) like warm that warming people up in the conversation, which sounds so simple, but you'll be very surprised at how many people, I guess you probably wouldn't be surprised. You jump on the interview and you get into interview mode and all of a sudden you feels like, oh, I need to be buttoned up. I need to answer right. the questions. <laughs> and it, it like you like, it f- has a different feeling than if you're just having a conversation. So mm-hmm. it's starting from the very beginning with having that conversation, making those connections And then honestly, it's listening. It's the idea of reading between the lines. And I think this is a skill for product managers and particularly for product leaders, where this is a skill that you need to have in your job every day anyway. So putting your product manager lens on of saying, okay, so what's being said here? What, you know, context clues can I pick up? And what's not being said? What are they not talking about? Are they talking about? particular challenges in the product? Are they talking about uh, collaborative, cross-functional collaborators who may or may not be involved in the process? Where does this product fall within the product, within the suite of products? There's all sorts of clues that can help you then position yourself as a better candidate along the way and build the trust with the people that you're meeting along the way. Because Mm -hmm. you're not just having to the answer to the hiring manager, whether it's the VP or the CEO or whoever it is, you're also having to, as the product manager, be the leader for every other cross-functional team that touches the product. And so you're having to build those relationships every step of the way. So it's really thinking about how can I help meet the needs of each person that I meet in the interview process. Okay. Say that again, how I can help meet the needs of each person in the interview process. Was that it? Yes. Yeah. So we want to treat this not as that button up interview where we have to feel in a sense putting our best face forward because that actually might not be us. Yeah. (laughs) But treat this maybe more as a conversation as a, uh, I want to build this relationship with this person, everyone I talk to throughout the process and focus on, Hey, I I don't want to just leave this encounter answering their questions. I want to feel like we both got to know each other better. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about it, every if a company is making a hire, they're making a hire because they have a need, right? They're building a new product or they have a gap or somebody left. And this person is going to have a relationship with every person that they're interacting with who's who is contributing to the product in some way. So building that relationship from the interview process 
is the absolute best way to show that you are the candidate for the job, the right person for the job. Because if you can create an interview environment where it feels like you're actually working together and collaborating in that process and not just answering questions, yes, you have to answer the questions. <laughs> but if you're able to make it a more interactive conversation, then they're envisioning you in the job. They're envisioning working with you in the day-to-day. -day. And you're already then putting yourself three steps ahead of anybody else in the process. Yeah. Okay. So help them envision seeing you in the job. We'll be back in just a minute. This podcast is sponsored by the RPM Experience, the Rapid Product Mastery Experience. In just nine weeks, meeting 75 minutes a week, product managers, teams, and leaders become product masters, creating more value for customers, their organization, and themselves. You will build a broad foundation of product management knowledge, get everyone on the same page, while also improving collaboration and renewing a focus on the customer, all resulting in higher performance. Participants feel empowered and more confident about their work. They learn how to create value for customers and revenue for their organization. One product leader who used the RPM experience across a global organization said it is the only training that provides an integrated product management perspective. It did exactly what I needed. Many organizations have benefited from the RPM experience, and you'll find them listed at productmasterynow.com RPM. Go to the same URL and schedule time to talk about how Chad and his team can help you and your organization. What, what about doing our homework before the interview? What kind of things should we be trying to find out about the opportunity, the people, the problems, the company? Should we try to meet people on LinkedIn that work there and, and talk, find some connection to talk about what's going on? Any, any suggestions for that? Yeah, so it's interesting. I'm always a fan of doing research for the right level for the, or for the right stage for the interview process. So I wouldn't spend hours of research talking to the recruiter for the role because number one, the recruiter for the role at the very beginning of the process may or may not be able to answer questions, deep questions that you have around the product, around team dynamics, around particular challenges that they're facing. But that conversation with the recruiter, I would absolutely prepare stuff like the top level, what is the company doing? Looking through the job descriptions, not just for the role that you are up for, but also who else are they hiring? That can give a lot of signals as to what they're planning on building next or what where the company focus is. Are they more focused on generating revenue, building adoption for customers, or are they more focused right now on zero to one new things? Are they wanting to put AI into everything. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of signals from all of the different job descriptions, not just the product that you might be working on. So I think there's a lot of clues there. And then I always recommend going through who's on the team, who are the executives. If it's not a well-known company, looking through funding, looking through the history of funding, not just the most recent round, where have they been? Where were their big growth spurts? And where do you think they might be now? just to collect some clues that can help give you the context when you're going in and answering questions so that you're sharing stories that are going to be most relevant to where they are today and where they want to go. I frequently see this happen, particularly for uh, job seekers who come from larger companies, particularly at the leadership level, this happens a lot. They come from larger companies and they tell stories about troubleshooting when your team is 
20 product managers and thinking about the challenges for when your system, when you're thinking about scale, just not relevant. If you're going to a smaller company where the product's not that mature and the team's not that big, those are not the problems or the challenges they're trying right. to face. Some people can be like, wow, that's impressive. You had, you did all of that. But most teams are going to say, that's cool, but it's not what we need right now. And I suspect that would even come up when the all the people that interviewed you do their brief at the end and share what we thought about that person. Someone's probably going to say, they spent a lot of time talking about this thing that we don't care about. Okay, cross that person off the list. It's incredibly true. Even though I talk about the idea of what's on the scorecard and what's not on the scorecard, that might not be something that they're like is on the checklist of things that they're evaluating you on. But it's absolutely something in the back of their minds. They're saying if that person is spending all of their most recent time focusing on these types of issues, that means they're not spending most of their time focusing on the issues that we need solved. So how are they going to be able to slot in or translate what we need? Let me ask about the recruiter a little bit more, right? You've talked about the recruiter as a key resource for you to ask questions of and get help from. Throughout my career, I always had the inside path, right? And, and I've never worked through a recruiter. And, and this is not uncommon, right? That, hey, you might be good doing this thing. Come talk, talk to us. Someone helps out. For someone in that position who hasn't worked through recruiters much, help, us, help me understand that recruiter role a little bit and why I should be thinking them as they're on my side too, because they need to fill this, this position. Yeah. So that's exactly right. They're on, they do play both sides, mm-hmm. <laughs> but ultimately want to fill the role and they want to fill the role with the right person for the role. So they want you to be the right person for the role. It's interesting what you said about in your career, you've always had the back door. In most of the companies that I've worked at as an internal recruiter, and even as an agency recruiter earlier in my career, when there is an internal recruiter, they usually meet every candidate along the way. I think the role of recruiter, especially in the last couple of years, has changed a lot. To from being somebody who sends out the scheduling to somebody who helps design the interview process, somebody who collaborates with the hiring team and gathers the feedback, um, and then also shepherds the candidates through the process. So the recruiter knows who else is going through the process. The recruiter knows what the budget is for the role. The recruiter knows the feedback from previous candidates, where other candidates have fallen short. Um, and those are all things where if you build a great re- relationship with the recruiter, you can get those nuggets along the way where you can get a really clear picture of what it is that the team's expecting. When you invest in the touch points along the way, so in sending email, check-in emails, follow-up emails that somebody's actually going to, they are the ones that are going to read it. They're the ones that are going to say, oh, let me ping the hiring team, make sure we can get them feedback. Or let me ping the hiring team and see if we can move this process ahead because they told me they have an offer on the table. That's the recruiter is the person who orchestrates that. If they don't like you, (laughs) they can actually play. I'm not saying that recruiters are going to like sabotage your chances, but they might not fight as hard for you to get the things that you need. And they might not give you as much information if you are, if you don't invest in, in that relationship with them. They want Mm -hmm. it. This is their sole job (laughs) is to get the jobs filled. And oftentimes it's your role and 20 other roles or however many at the executive level, recruiters aren't usually working on that many, but they're juggling a lot of balls. But if you invest in that relationship, they'll give you that time of day too. Excellent. Yeah. So they're the gatekeeper to this process, but also have a wealth of information and 
build that relationship and you can ask questions like, where have you been hearing candidates are, are really struggling with? Can you help me think about what I should be emphasizing with where we are in the process now and have conversations with the recruiter? Absolutely. The Particularly at the leadership level, if a recruiter is working on director level, VP, and even sometimes like the, the C-level positions, they're usually just focused on those roles, which means they're spending a ton of time with the company leaders. They know their personalities. They have very clear expectations of what those executives want. And you can glean that information if you, if you invest in that. Really good. Let's look at the other side of this a little bit. We've been talking about, about leaders uh, quite a bit so far. Question that I get, the, the people that listen to this podcast are often pretty experienced as product uh, managers. And as I said, current leaders are moving into leadership roles. But some of the time people are asking questions about how do I get into product management? I'm in an adjacent role. Product management looks really interesting. This is what happened in my career, right? As an engineer, it's like that thing over there looks really interesting. How do I do that thing? I don't know if this has been part of your experience or not. Some suggestions on about you're in a role that, and you see this other thing you want to get into. How do you go about making that happen? Yeah. So I have never specialized in transitioning job seekers, but I've actually worked with a lot internally hiring those folks. And also I've had a a few clients over the years who've made jumps into new positions. And the biggest advice that I have for people is to start thinking like the job that they want, which can be hard if you don't sit in that role. You're like, what does that mean? Like you start learning about it, right? You talk to all of the people that you possibly can (laughs) about what they do, where they spend their time. You try to position yourself to get in on those meetings where if engineer who wants to shift into product management, it's see if you can pick up a meeting every week where you're, you know, sitting with the product management team or they're talking about they're reviewing the roadmap or whatever it is. Try to see if you can move that way in the role that you're currently in so that you can get the real world sense of what that's actually like. And you could start to pick up projects that are directly related to that position, which then you could stick on your resume. So even though you don't have a product management title, you do have product management experience. So that's like the biggest recommendation that I have for people is to do it while you're in a role and putting on that product management hat. Product management is very complex. And so you can pick up certain skills along the way without having the big picture. And that's true even if you're in a product management role, (laughs) is that you're not necessarily getting every part of product management earlier on in your career. So a a lot of what I work on folks is owning the product management experience that they actually already have. When I get asked this question, and this is not a service I provide to anyone, please don't email me about this, but occasionally people will ask about, how do I just frame myself, my experience to move towards this thing? One of my friends was in this position, and hopefully I'll get her on as a guest sometime. We should talk about this, but uh, she was working in a nonprofit for several years and doing campaigns to help people decide to be donors for the next cause of the organization. And she was encouraged by someone to apply for this global product director role for a for-profit company. She was struggling with if this was going to be a good fit or not. And she was a little surprised that the person suggested that she apply for this sort of thing. A big benefit of listening to this podcast is you do pick up on some pretty good tips along the way. So she read the job description to me. I gave her like six specific episodes, right? Listen to these episodes. This is going to help you understand how product people think about this. And then we mapped all the things that she had done and and said, okay, this is how it applies to the product discipline. You're doing exactly what they need. 
you just don't think about it that way at all, right? You're thinking about you, you run this event and all the work that went into launching that event carries over to the other role, but you haven't framed it that way for yourself yet. And once she got confident enough to be able to talk about her experience, reframing it and what they were looking for, it worked out really well for her. And she was the final candidate out of uh, several interviews and got the job. And it's been great. That is exactly what I help people do, even within product management. Because sometimes when you're shifting to a different role, for example, I was working with a, a CPO who he had moved up. He was a designer and then had moved into product. And then from IC product manager up to chief product officer at a company over the course of, I think, seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. and. He was going into his next search thinking, what, how do I even position? I've never interviewed for a product role. So what we did was we looked at companies, we looked at the job descriptions and we, we talked about, okay, what are they asking for? Let's take all of your experience. You have this product management experience, obviously, but let's frame it. Your B2B health, health tech experience in the lens of this fintech company and what they're trying to achieve. So right. let's talk about it from what they're asking for. And he was like, oh, I have done all of these things. It was just so much easier for him to position himself where he right. thought about where he was going to instead of where, where he was coming from. And that right. is the biggest piece of advice that I think that I give to any job seeker is speak about your experience as if you were applying this, these other lenses to it. Excellent. And if you're someone that needs that help, instead of emailing me, because I would just refer you to Erica. You can reach out to Erica. We'll tell you how to make that happen in just a moment. As listeners know, we like innovation quotes around here. I asked you to bring one for us and also describe what that means to you. Yeah. So my innovation quote is probably a bit quirky. and You might not think of it as an innovation quote, but it's an Ernest Hemingway quote. When people talk, listen completely. Most people never listen. I think it applies when it, when you're thinking about interviews. I think when it comes to product management, the customer is core to everything. If you're listening to your customers, <laughs> you're already ahead of the game. And honestly, I think about when people are in the interview process and they're really truly listening for what the company needs, what people are asking for, where their focus is, it just can give you so many clues to what they what they need. How can you help them? And so it really... To me, listening is the key that unlocks all of the other pieces. Experience is important. You have to be good at your job, but especially at the leadership level, product management is table, like that those skills are table stakes. Then mm-hmm. it becomes about who are you as a person and how can you connect, lead and inspire the rest of the team to build great products together. Fantastic. I, I like that. that. Listening is very important in so many things, right? Just being present and actually listen and respond in the moment authentically. Tell us how we can find out more about you and the work you're doing. I'd also be curious just about how you structure work with people. So if someone is listening and going, yeah, this sounds like maybe some good preparation I could do, just how you work with people. You can always find me on LinkedIn. I'm Erica Clicks. I'm the only one (laughs) if you search for me there. And Clicks is K-L-I-C-S. It's a funky spelling. So good to spell it out. And then I'm also at Erica with a K, ericaclicks.com. And there's a few different ways that I work with folks today. I'm By the time this comes out, I'll actually have launched a job search strategy program. So beginning to end from, ooh, I think it's time to, to dive into the search to offer signed. And so it would be a, a group of peers that's called The Edge. So if you go to ericaclicks.com slash The Edge, 
you'll be able to find out info for it there. And then I also work with folks one-on-one. I love uh, both approaches for sure. And they fit different people. I personally find the most value and, and because I've done this enough to just know myself, I like the, that group community so much because I often learn more from others and how they're sharing their experience and the struggles they ran, ran into and what they've overcome than from anything else. And that group coaching experience, I think is really valuable. So I'm, I'm glad you're starting that. I have found that a lot of folks at the leadership level haven't really either they've gone through the search when it comes to tech, it was just easier before <laughs> and had like different expectations. And so being in a room with your peers where you can talk about what you're seeing and what you're facing and brainstorming together, in addition to having somebody who can really help guide along the way, I, I, I think has a lot of value and I'm very excited about it. Yeah. I think it just amplifies the whole experience. Erica, thank you again for sharing your experience and insights and wealth of information. We'll have the links in the show notes and I appreciate you being with us. Awesome. Thanks, Chad. And listeners, once again, if you want to find the written summary of everything we discussed, including that one page action guide, simply go to productmasterynow.com slash 455. Everyone, keep innovating. Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now, where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master, creating products customers love. Find additional resources at productmasterynow.com. Keep innovating.